I wanted to take a moment tonight and I want to continue on a thought that I shared. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. I don't know. Uh, when I talked to you about why I'm alive. Why are we here? And I talked to you about I'm alive. We are alive to care. We're alive to show compassion. And I want to go just a little bit deeper in that because obviously that's not the only reason that we're here, but it's part of the reason why we're here. But there's another reason why we're alive. And maybe I'll continue on with this uh, till we really discover all the reasons why we're alive and why we're here. But 1 Peter 2.21 says this, to this you were called, same scripture I used last time, to this you were called. And that word called is the Greek word, which literally means to be made alive. So the reason you are made alive, the reason you are placed on this earth, because Christ suffered, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So the question is, okay, what are the steps of Jesus? And last time when I talked to you about this, the steps of Jesus were steps of compassion. He showed compassion and he healed people. He had compassion. He was moved with compassion and he touched them. He was moved with compassion and he taught them about the things of the kingdom. But I want to take you just a little bit further in this because we know that Jesus came to serve mankind. He didn't come to be served like an earthly king. He didn't want that role, although he was a king, the king of kings. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And if Jesus came to serve, then that's our job as well. We're made alive to serve. And just to kind of take you to, if you go to, if you got your Bibles or the app or uh, however you want to look at the scripture here on the screen, Exodus chapter four, we're going to read a little portion of this first four verses, and then I'll jump down to verse number 10. But in this passage, God calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand that he let God's people go. And here's how Moses responded. Moses protested. He said, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? I bet every single one of us at some time or another, when God spoke to us or urged us or nudged us to push us to do something, we probably all immediately at some time or another came up with a really good excuse. But wait, what if people don't believe me? What if, what if I can't handle it? What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not qualified enough? What if people don't see this value in me? We've all done that before. But it's interesting that Moses, he's afraid to do this. I mean, the, because the last time he was in Egypt was when he murdered the Egyptian soldier for beating a Hebrew slave. And then for the next 40 years, he's tending sheep out in the wilderness, the same wilderness that God wants him to lead the children of Israel through to get to the promised land. Moses didn't feel like he was qualified to do what God was calling him to do. But you got to always remember that God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called, right? So if he calls you, it's not because you're qualified. It's because he sees value in you that he can qualify you now that he's called you. He's not looking for your ability. He's not looking for somebody that's got all the skills in the world. He's looking for availability. Go on in verse number two. It says, then the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? Sterling, would you help me with that? Thank you. What's that in your hand? He said, it's a staff, a staff, a shepherd's staff. And I don't know if this is exactly if, if Moses' staff had a shepherd's hook on it. I don't know. 
but he had a staff. We're going to talk about that staff here for just a little bit. Verse number three, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff down on the ground and something really weird happened. It turned into a snake. So he throws it down on the ground. It turns into a snake. And if you see the scripture there, the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. How many of you, that's about the time you're exiting stage left? No, me and snakes, we just don't get along like that. So how about if I don't do that? Let's, let's come up with, so you turned it into a snake. You turn it back to my staff now. I just, I'm not sure that I would have been down with the snake. But he reached down and he picked it up and it turned back into the staff. God was trying to teach something to Moses about that staff because the staff represents something. I'm going to talk about it here in just a minute, but look down at verse number 10. It says, but then Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, well, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not hear? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll be with you as you speak. I'll instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. Now, I almost hesitate to share this because Moses pleads with the Lord, send somebody else, and he actually gets through to God. I would encourage you, don't do that. If he says, do it, whatever it is, just do it. Moses got a pass. Moses got a lot of passes. I mean, he saw the Lord face to face. You know, he can do this. I wouldn't encourage everybody to do this. But here, here, look, he goes on. Verse number 13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on the way to meet you. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him. Put the words in his mouth. And I'll be with both of you as you speak. And I'll instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He'll be your mouthpiece. And you'll stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it. So he wasn't letting him completely off the hook, but he said, Take that staff with you and use it. Use it to perform the miraculous signs that I've shown you. So you got to remember what God asked Moses. He asked him, what's in your hand? He said, what's well, a staff? What did a shepherd use a staff for? He used it for a lot of different reasons. One, he used it to lean on. It helped him get places. He used it as a weapon. He used it to defend himself. He used it to protect the sheep. The shepherd would use it to pull the sheep out of harm and out of danger. He would use it to correct and to teach them a lesson and pop them on the head. But oftentimes, shepherds also would use the staff as almost like a journal. It, it told the story of a shepherd's life. They would carve moments and emblems and symbols into the staff that would remind them of things that happened, accomplishments and uh, moments where God showed faithfulness or something that happened in their life. It would, it would, the staff would tell the story of the shepherd's life. So the, the, the staff represented everything that Moses was. 
Your staff would represent everything that you are, everything that you possess, the good, the bad, the ugly, your strengths and your weaknesses. It would tell your story. It's your life. It's your strength. It's your weakness. If you start thinking about some of the different passages of scripture where a staff is mentioned with the life of David, when David was just a shepherd boy in first Samuel 1740, it says he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and then put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine, the, the giant. We don't ever hear much about his staff. We just hear that he showed up with his slingshot and his five stones. But he was armed with his staff and his slingshot because this was a weapon. It was a weapon that he used. When you think about Jacob, Jacob in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 21, it says that Jacob, as he was dying, he leaned on his staff and he blessed his grandchildren. He was leaning on this. In, a, in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman where, if you remember the story, she and her husband prepared a place for Elijah to come and to be able to stay there, a little room uh, at their house, a, a prophet's quarter. And so Elisha is there with his servant, Gehazi, and he wanted to reward the woman and her husband for uh, showing kindness to him. So they ask if there's anything I can do. And, and the, the servant said, well, you know, she's, she's never had a child and her husband's kind of old. So you know what Elisha did? Elisha said, you know what? By this time next year, you're going to have a son. And if you remember the story, the lady said, hold on now. Don't you get my hopes up. Don't tell me I'm going to have a son if I'm not going to have a son. Don't start promising me things and prophesying over me if they're not going to come true. She was saying, I'm too old to have my heart broken again. I don't know what all she had been through. I don't know what kind of loss and what kind of pain she had experienced in life. But she told him, don't tell me this if it's not going to come true. And sure enough, the next year she gave birth to a son. But if you remember the rest of the story, as the son began to grow and the little boy got a little older, his head began to hurt. And he died. And this mama was mad. She was heartbroken, but she was mad. And she took off after that prophet and she found him. The Bible says she fell at his feet. She grabbed his feet and the, the servant Gehazi started to push her away. And Elisha says, no, 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 leave her alone. This woman is, she's in pain. She's grieving. Leave her there. And she starts telling Elisha, I told you not to give me a son. You were just going to take him away. I told you not to do this to me. And Elisha looks to his servant and hands the servant his staff and says, take this and lay it on the boy. And the servant goes and lays the staff on the boy. Let me, let me say that differently. The servant goes and lays Elisha's staff on the boy and nothing happened. The boy did not start breathing. Elisha finally shows up and the servant is perplexed. Say, you, you told me to take the staff and I, I laid it on the boy and nothing happened. So Elisha goes in and he stretches out over the boy and he speaks life into that boy. And that boy comes back to life. I'll come back to that story in just a minute. 
But we also see the staff in Moses' hand. Whenever Moses finally does decide to lead the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, and they're making their way down toward the Red Sea, they get to the banks of the Red Sea and they can go no more. I mean, they could go left and they could go right, but they didn't. They just stopped and they stood there. And I'm sure the people were wondering, what are we doing? Where are we going to go? And then all of a sudden they see the cloud of dust from the Egyptians that are coming up behind them. They've got a Red Sea in front of them and an Egyptian army behind them and there's nowhere to go. And they're beginning to ask, Moses, what are you going to do now? And Moses began to cry out to God, God, you've led me to the banks of this sea. I have nowhere to go forward and I have nowhere to go. We're not going back. So what do you want me to do now? And God told him, stretch out your staff over that water. We've all seen Charlton Heston do it. It's a majestic sight. And he holds that staff out over the water. The waters begin to roll back. The children of Israel walk through on dry ground. And then when the Egyptians get inside of that tunnel of water, the water comes back in and destroys them all. Amazing, amazing. So let me ask you a question. What do you lean on? What is your staff? What do you lean on? What are your, you lean on your talents? Do you lean on your gifts? Do you lean on your, your relationships, your parents, your money, your addictions? What do you lean on? Your position, your tenure, your name, your age, your eloquent speech, your sense of humor. What do you lean on? What is your default? What do you go to? Do you lean on your winning personality? Do you lean on your business acumen? What do you, what do you lean on? You know what God told Moses when God said, what do you have in your hand? He said, well, I've got a staff. Throw it down, Moses. He threw it down. And remember, it turned into a snake. What was God doing? God was showing Moses that the very thing that represented his life, the very thing that symbolized the strengths and even the weaknesses of his life, everything that his life was thrown down, that if it's not properly surrendered to the Lord out of his hand, not surrendered to God, not in the right hand, that this talent could actually destroy Moses. This gift that God had given him now as a snake could actually destroy him. But he tells him, he says, pick it up. So he picked it up. Now it's in his hand again. It turns back into the staff. God has given each and every one of us a gift, a talent, an ability, a strength. Every single one of us. And I would challenge you. I would, I would challenge you. Please do not be envious of somebody else in their gift. Just because their gift may get a little more recognition than yours. You have no idea the story behind their gift. You have no idea what they've been through to get to that place where they can use that gift. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You don't know the price that's been paid. You don't know what they, they have had to endure. You don't know the burden that that gift puts upon that person. But God has given each and every one of us a gift. He's given each and every one of us an ability. He's given every single one of us a part in this thing called the family of God. Every one of us. Not one person is excluded. I don't know if you're the hand, you're the foot, you're the eye, the ear. I don't know. But every single one of us have been given a place in this body of Christ. And what God says is throw it down. 
lay it down, give it to him. Just like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. What is it? He throws his life down. He lays his life down. And what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done. This is not my life, but your life. And every single one of us have a gift and a talent. And many of us will argue and we will we will debate with God when God says, I would like for you to use that gift for me. Oh, no, I'm not worthy. No, well, people won't believe me. People won't give me a chance. And we start talking ourselves out of it rather than just saying, here it is, Lord. Here's my staff. I'll throw it down before you. I'll lay it down before you. And he says, pick it up and use it to perform the miracles that I'll show you. There's something that God wants to do, a miracle that he wants to do through you. There's something supernatural that he wants to do through you. Kelly hit the nail on the head just a little bit early and said, God wants to do something unusual and something unique and something special. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Marcus. Man, that totally messed me up. I have no idea where I was. Let's see. Unique and special. God wants to do something unique and special in each and every one of us tonight. You think of Moses. Moses had a heart for people, a passion for his people, but he let that passion get in his way and it almost destroyed him. You think about Abraham, Abraham, the father of the faith. He lied about his wife and his sister, slept with Hagar. His desire to see that promise fulfilled caused him to make some wrong decisions. Think about Peter. Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter denied that he even knew Christ. King David was a warrior, strength and boldness in battle, but lost the battle with Bathsheba. You see, every single person that has a testimony has a test tied to that testimony. They got a challenge. They got a difficulty. They've got a battle they've been through, but that's no reason for us to quit. That's all the reason more for us to pick up that staff and to keep moving forward. Keep using it to do the miracles that he wants to do. Keep using it to, to help people, to help serve other people. You see, we're all, we've all been given a unique gift and I don't know exactly what yours is, but I know that if you will give it to God, God will tell you, now you've surrendered to me. Now I want you to pick it up and use it. Use it to serve somebody else. You see, a basketball in my hand, it's worth, what, about 20 bucks, 25 bucks? But you put it in Luka Doncic's hand and it's worth millions of dollars, right? Put it in Steph Curry's hand, it's worth millions of dollars. A baseball in my hand is probably worth about five dollars but you put it in Bryce Harper's hand and it's worth millions of dollars. Put a football in my hand. I don't know what, 30 bucks. But you put it in a pro athlete's hand and it's worth millions of dollars. Put a golf club in my hand. It's worth absolutely nothing. But you put it in a Jordan Spieth's hand. It's worth millions of dollars. A boy with five loaves and two little fish in that little boy's hand. That's just like a long John Silver's combo number one. But you put it in Jesus hand 
and it becomes a buffet for 5,000 people. An all-you-can-eat buffet. 2 Samuel 22. Worship team, you guys come back up here. 2 Samuel 22, verse number 1 and 3. It says, David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So what's David doing while he's tending his sheep? He's singing songs about the Lord. David is just worshiping. He's just being faithful. He's honing a skill with his slingshot by chasing away the lion and the bear. He's using his skill to protect what God had entrusted him with. Oh, it was just sheep in the beginning. But it became a giant and became a kingdom later. But in his trial season, in his testing season, he had to be faithful singing his songs to the Lord and working on perfecting the skill with his slingshot. You see, there's a lot of people that make this mistake. They won't take the time to perfect their skill or be faithful when no one's looking. See, David, David, he was faithful when no one was looking, nobody but the sheep. But it prepared him for when God needed him. Kelly talked about being prepared. See, every one of us have a gift, and some of us are making the mistake. The mistake that we're making is we're waiting for prime time until we start using our gift. And God's saying, no, I want you to start using it right now when no one's looking. I want you to start using it right now because this will prepare you for where I'm taking you. If you go all the way back to 2 Kings chapter 4, when Elisha sent Gehazi with his staff and said, lay it on the boy, he laid it on the boy and nothing happened. Why? Because it wasn't Gehazi's staff. It wasn't his anointing. It wasn't his gift. It wasn't his calling. It wasn't his assignment. It was Elisha's. And it wasn't until Elisha showed up that the boy then began to breathe. There's a whole lot of us that we're forsaking our own calling and our own gifts and our own talents and our own abilities and our own assignments trying to use somebody else's. Remember when David showed up? He had taken his brother some cheese and bread. I mean, it's like a pizza delivery boy, right? And he shows up down there and, and he hears the, the giant making a mockery of God, making a mockery of the Israelites. And he'd say, I'll take him on. I'll do it. What do you have to fight this giant with? I got a slingshot. I got a staff. Saul said, okay, you can do it. But here, put your staff, put your slingshot aside and put on my armor. And remember, David tried to put on Saul's armor. Well, you can imagine what he looked like. David's a little skinny teenage boy. Saul was head and shoulders above all the other soldiers. That armor swallowed him up. There was no way he was going to be able to fight effectively using Saul's armor. So he finally had to say, thank you, sir. But in all due respect, 
I think I'll do better with my slingshot because that's what God has given me. That's what God has equipped me with. That's what I am skilled to do. So I'm going to go out there and fight the Goliath with what God has given me rather than trying to use what somebody else has, somebody else's flashy gift. I'm just going to use what God has given me. And that is what took Goliath down. I can tell you this. When I was just a freshman, sophomore in college, I was working at my home church that I grew up in as just a volunteer youth worker, youth leader at that time. We didn't have a youth pastor back then. And I was just helping lead the group. And I really, I felt called to these kids. It was where I'd grown up. I knew God put a call up on my life. And one day, my pastor called me and my father had already uh, had left the church and had gone to the district office as the superintendent. And another pastor had come in and was pastoring there and I was just serving under him. He called me into his office one day. And I got excited because I thought, I know what he's getting ready to ask me. He's getting ready to ask me to be youth pastor of this youth group. And I was all excited and I was ready for it. He called me and says, Kendall, I have seen your faithfulness. I've seen your sacrifice. I've seen you giving yourself to these kids and working at this church. And I've got something I want to ask you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What do you need? Anything you need, whatever you need, I'm your man. He said, I'm glad to hear you say that because I need someone to drive the bus. Wait, like the youth bus, you know, for the youth activities that the youth pastor would do? He said, no, I need you to drive the bus. There's a bus route that picks up the elderly and some kids on the latter part of the route. I need you to drive the bus and pick them up. And I, I, in my head, I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, I'm called to youth. And you're asking me to pick up elderly widows and little snotty nosed kids. There's everything wrong with this. In my head, all this is just going through. I thought this is all wrong. Surely I'm hearing this wrong. Surely he's missed. Maybe he's just messing with me. So I just kind of held. I said, what, you know, what was that again? I need you to drive the bus. When I realized he was serious, that's when I had a decision to make. I could either pull a Moses and say, hey, you know, I'm not so good at that. Nobody's going to believe me. But you know what I said? I said, give me the keys to the bus. I will drive the bus. And for the next year, that's what I did. I drove the dang bus. And I picked up elderly women and little kids. In fact, I thought this might have been a little bit of spite, but I didn't see it that way then. I thought, I'll bring so many kids. They're going to wish they'd never asked me to drive that bus. I picked up so many kids and those deacons couldn't stand all those kids showing up. They were kids. They didn't know how to act in church. They said, please quit picking up all those kids. I said, well, how about if I start picking up youth? The key, the, the, the key to the story is that when God gave me an opportunity, it wasn't the opportunity that I was wanting. It wasn't the opportunity that I was looking for. It wasn't what I was praying for. It wasn't even what I was called to do. But it was what was available. And I began to drive the bus. 
before that year was out, my pastor called me back in and asked me if I'd serve as youth pastor. I had to be faithful. I had to be faithful to something I didn't necessarily want to do. So what, what, are you, what, what are you supposed to do if you don't know what you're supposed to do? Do what needs to be done. You say, well, what, what if I do? What if I do if what I, what I want to do is not available? Then do what needs to be done. And if you'll just be faithful in the small things and even in the things that you don't want to do, it will qualify you for the greater things that God has in store for you. There's always a testing period. There's always a trial period. Now here, last verse, last scripture I want to share with you. The Bible says that the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He's also the God of my rock. In him I will, will I trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, and my savior. Thou save me from violence. David said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. But then he also said, the God of my rock. You see, there's two phrases there that are very important for us to understand. Yeah, the Lord is my rock. That's, every one of us need to know, he's my rock, he's my savior, he's my, he's my Lord. But he's got to also be the God of my rock. What does that mean? The God of my calling, the God of my gift, the God of my talent, the God of my strength, the God of my staff. Is he the God of your rock? Yeah, the Lord should be every single one of our rock. But is he also the God of who you are? Is he the God of your strengths, God of your talent? Is he God of your life? The only way you know that is if you'll bring your staff, you'll bring your life, you'll bring your gifts, you'll bring your talents, and you throw them down at God just like we do when we give our lives to Jesus. What do we do? We surrender our lives to him. We give our lives to him and then he saves us. And then we pick up what he has saved, what he's delivered, what he's sanctified, and we go serve him. When we bring our children to the altar, we bring them to the altar and we give them to God, but then we pick them back up and we go out and we raise them up to be warriors for God. It's the same process. We bring our gifts and our talents to God and we say, here I am. I'm laying it down at your altar and I'll give you my gift. I'll give you my talent. I'll give you my life. I'll give you everything that I am. And then he will bless it. He will anoint it. And then he'll say, now pick it back up and use it to perform miracles. Use it to serve others. Use it to open doors. Use it to break bondage. Use it to help people find freedom. So there's something inside of you. There's something every single one of us have that God wants tonight. Are you willing to give it to him? Are you willing to give it to him? Are you willing to lay it down at his feet? And if you lay it down at his feet, let him anoint it. Just like the boy with the five loaves and the two fish, you give it to Jesus, what does he do? He blesses it and then he multiplies it. And he uses it to serve a multitude. What do you have that you need to give to God tonight? What do you have that you need to lay down before him? And if you do, he'll bless it. And then he begins to multiply it. And when you pick it back up and you go out, God's going to give you an opportunity to use that gift that's in you. It may not be a perfect gift, but he uses that gift inside of you to help somebody else find freedom. We're called, we're made alive to serve others. How do we serve others? By using the gifts and talents that he's given us to help people find freedom.
through Jesus Christ. Would you do me a favor and stand to your feet all over this place? I'm going to ask you to do something here just for the next few moments. Some of you know without a doubt, you're clear. Say, I know what God's called me to do. I know the gift he's given me. I know the uh, anointing that's on my life. But I haven't been using it the way he wants me to. I know I haven't. How many of you just be honest right here? Say, that's me. I know. I got got something I'm just not using. All right. Come on, others. I I got something. I'm just not using it. All right. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you just to come and just lay it down. Give it to him. Leave it there long enough for him to bless it, to work it out so that when you pick it back up, you can use it for the miraculous. Pull those lights down for me a little bit, please. Now, how many would say, I know I've got the willingness to be used but I have no idea what it is that God wants me to do. All right? In just a minute, I want you to bring it. Because see, God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And if we just come to him and say, here I am, Lord, he'll start showing you. He'll start showing you things that you've got, gifts and talents and abilities that you've got that you can use. Just like he told Moses, throw it down, but then pick it up and use it something that he's got that he wants you to do something he wants you to step into some miracle that he wants to break open through your life